who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the Revolutionary War, part two. So grab your Minutemen. And let's get civical. Everybody. Hello, everyone. How are you today? What's going on? <laughs> Happy post 4th of July. I am still in recovery. Oh my gosh. And Lizzie yeah. and I are wearing the same pajamas. We're, we're wearing matching pajamas recording this. It was not planned, but I mean, I feel like after two and a half years of doing this, it's expected. It's expected. That we just. We expect to show up wearing the same pajamas to recording. Um, and that's what we did. That's exactly what we did. And you're welcome. Which was great. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, how was your 4th of July, Arden? It was so good. It was so good. We've been at the lake down in South Carolina for like five Love. days. 
lots of people. It was also, it yes. doubled as a, as a birthday party. So it was just, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, but I'm ready uh, for a day of no alcohol. <laughs> no, I'm just ready for a day of like water and salad. To sober up, to mm-hmm. sober up. And that's as our founding fathers would have wanted. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how they would have want, wanted this. Mm-hmm. Um, mine was very mellow, but I did obviously watch my favorite event of the entire calendar year, which is the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. I saw. For all of our listeners who are watching, yes, of course, Joey Chestnut, uh, our founding father, did win. He ate 76 hot dogs in oh 10 God. minutes, which... Oh, God is a new record but what was hysterical about the whole event was so it's broadcasted on espn because it is you know it's a sport my super bowl it's a it's a sport it's competitive so it's broadcast on espn it's like you know high intensity because it's truly it's just these 10 minutes and then once the 10 minutes is over the whole thing's over like there's no there's nothing else (laughs) that's it (laughs) that's it so we're watching it i'm obviously getting revved up especially as we round like minute six because it's he's on pace to break his record which his record was 75 he broke it he ate 76 oh my god and then it gets to like the last 90 seconds and the, f- the ESPN feed just, like, cut out. Like, <gasps> ESPN, it was ESPN, like, like ruined the whole thing because they literally, like, they cut it. The feed cut out and then they went to commercial, which, like, you can't go to commercial during the hot dog eating contest because no. it's not like they stop for commercials. They're still eating. <gasps> so when it finally came back, like, he had already, he did it. Like, he had already won. And he had already beaten his world record, and every I just like went to Twitter, and everybody was so pissed off. Oh yeah, <laughs> that ESPN met, like messed like not only like messed up the broadcasting, but like poor Joey Chestnut who broke his world record. Nobody saw it because nobody it's saw the old, it. it's not like it's not like it's ABC, NBC. It's not like all these networks are also covering it. It's no. just ESPN who's covering this. Oh my god! And they blew it. They blew it. It was devastating. Do they get a recording of it? Like, can they, is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that there's record. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I haven't, I haven't searched for it. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, you can, you can look it up and see it now. But that's not the same as watching it live. No, that's not the same. That's not the same. So, I wanted it to- was drama. Oh my drama, God. Drama, drama, drama for me, for this nation. But, you know, sort of like... George Washington did on the Delaware. We persisted and we will carry on. There will be another hot dog eating contest next year. Next year. And hopefully Joey Chestnut will continue to thrive because, because then like the second place person. So Joey did 76 hot dogs. The second place person did like 53. Like there's no, there's no comparison. There's no comparison. Does he, okay. Does he practice? Does he practice throughout the year being yeah. like, it's, you know, it's Saturday. Let me, let me get in a run. Let me get in a hot dog. Yeah. Run. You have to like, you have to physically train for, to eat like this. So he's, I mean, if you look at Joey Chestnut, he's not a big guy. Like he's yeah. relatively, you know, slender. Most of the bit, like the, the great competitive eaters are very on the lean side. Interesting. And they're not, they're not bigger. They're not bigger. So 
that's yeah but you have to like train you have to like you have to eat a bunch of crazy stuff and like teach your stomach how to expand and there's also i'm sure something has to do with his jaw to not make it tired like it's a whole thing it's a whole thing he's he's an anomaly he should be studied and he should be celebrated Mm -hmm. but with that said that's leading us amazingly into (laughs) our episode for today which is the anticipated part two of our revolutionary war series which i'm excited about today we're talking about lexington and concord the big bad battle we all know we love it and we're gonna deep dive it today yeah to celebrate our freedom Mm-hmm. But before we jump into the notes, do you want to go over today's Sarsha Ronan sources? Let's see if I can say it. Today's Sarsha Ronan sources. Ooh, I did it. These are coming from history.com, battlefields.org, and love. a little bit from the Library of Congress. Love. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, three just stellar sources, mm-hmm. I have to say. The hottest sources there are out there. Tried and true. Tried and true. Tried and true. Okay, so let's talk about the basics. Let's lay the foundation. You know how I love to lay a foundation to Mm -hmm. which we build the house of our country upon. So these notes are coming from history.com. The battles of Lexington and Concord fought on April 19th, 1775, kicked off the American Revolutionary War which would go from 1775 to 1783. I mean, 13 years is a long time. Wait, that's not 13 years. That's not 13 years. years. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's okay. Okay. You're a comedian, not a mathematician. Wait a second. Hold on. How many years is is that? It is 8 a.m. It's 8. It's 8. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I know that 8 isn't 13. But I think my point still stands that eight is a long time. Eight is a long time. Eight is a, a long lot time. of years to be yeah. at war. Not as long as Iraq and Afghanistan, famously. But yeah, long time. Famously. Famously, it's not as long as the Iraq War. But it is, I think, when I think about the Revolutionary War, it seems like this, it just seems so like this blip of, because it's so, I don't know, you just learn about it and you learn about it, but you don't realize that it was eight long years. Yeah. Of fighting, of of warring. Okay, we're off to an amazing start. We're doing so well already because of me. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it at a ten. So it's a high bar. Keep, I'll try and match it. Continuing on, tensions had been building for many years between residents of the thirteen American colonies and the British authorities, particularly in Massachusetts. I mean, yeah. Boston was not having it. Boston was not having it. And if you're like, what were all the tensions? Go listen to part one of this two-part series. Yes. We we did a deep dive into why the colonists were just so angry at the British. They're so mad. They're so mad. So mad. So mad. On the night of April 18th, 1775, hundreds of British troops marched from Boston to nearby Concord in order to seize an arms mm, cachet. Yeah, girl. Cachet. Okay. I don't like that word, but I always have to clear them on my browser. Paul Revere and other writers sounded the alarm and colonial militiamen began mobilizing to intercept the red coat column. A confrontation on the Lexington Town Green started off the fighting, and soon the British were hastily retreating under intense fire. 
Pool, pool, pool. That's the sound of cannons. Mm -hmm. Many more battles followed, and in 1783, the colonists finally won their independence. So this is really like, if you ever watch Schoolhouse Rock, this is where it's it's the shot heard around the world. Yeah, yeah. Start the revolution. Minutemen, we're ready on the move. Take your blanket, take your son. Report to General Washington. Washington. Yep. I love Hurry, that song. Hurry, man, there's not a moment to lose. That's this song. That's this, that's this that's, battle. That's where that's we are. That's this battle. That's Lexington and Concord. So we talked a little bit, I mean, the all of last week's episode was about what led to the Revolutionary War, but we're going to talk specifically about what led up to this particular battle, this first battle in the Revolutionary War. Sure. So these notes are coming from mainly battlefield.org, I do believe. So Thomas Gage was appointed Royal Governor of Massachusetts in 1774, and he was tasked by the British Parliament with stamping out rising unrest caused by restrictive British policies. Mm. Again, the Stamp Act, the Sugar Act, the Coercive Acts, all of these things that the British were like, we're just going to keep taking money from you and not giving you any rights. Yes, we're just going to keep making you actually more and more angry. Yeah. Gage inflamed tensions between the colonies and the mother country, known as yes. Great Britain, and practiced harsh enforcement of British law. He drafted the Coercive Acts, which we talked about last week, and they were a series of laws intended to punish the colonists for deeds of defiance against the king, such as things like the Boston Tea Party. I mean, we talked about this last week, but I really think that they shit the bed with the Coercive Acts. I think that like eventually I think the colonists would have would have gotten to the point where it was they wanted a revolutionary war but to put all of those things in one piece of legislation like I know. my dude what I know. did you expect one yeah. of the worst pieces of legislation I think the course of acts it might have like this all might have happened eventually but I do feel like those exactly those particular like that was a bridge too far and the colonists were like yeah absolutely not absolutely not by April of 1775 Gage was facing the threat of outright rebellion he hoped to prevent violence by ordering the seizure of weapons and powder being stored in Concord Massachusetts 20 miles northwest of Boston. So he's trying to like take their like their weapons and their ways to defend themselves, but also probably yes. their ways to hunt and get food, I'm imagining, because it wasn't like these people had multiple I don't know. That's just that seems like uh like you could also be taking somebody's sure. livelihood, right? Sure. I mean, yeah, there's on a lot of levels, obviously the colonists are not gonna react well to no. this. To this behavior? No. The, especially coming after the course of acts, and then they're going to come and take your weapon. Like, of course, the colonists are going to freak out. Of course they're going to You're going like, to come in and, and take all of my stuff. You're going to kill my children, and we can't defend ourselves? That's insane. That's insane. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We are not angry. In we are 1775? Angry. Come on. We're, we're mad. And we're now mad. we're mad. And we're going to get some kick-ass and take some names pretty soon. Yeah. But Gage under, underestimated the courage and determination of the colonists. That's right, motherfucker. Yeah. They, <laughs> you don't know what we're like when we're pissed. When we're pissed. We'd be dumping tea in Boston Harbor when we're pissed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Patriot spies got wind of Gage's plan. And on the evening of April 18th, Paul Revere and other writers raised the alarm that British 
regulars were on their way to Concord. So they're here. The colonists heard about Gage's plan to take all of their guns and powder and everything away. And they rallied right quick and came to the defense of, and came to self-defense. And I quote, the British are coming. Mm -hmm. The British are coming. coming. If that actually was said or not, remains to be seen. But yeah, that's legend. Legend has it. Legend has it that that's what he said. So Minutemen and militias rushed to confront the British early on, on April 19th. Though it is uncertain who actually fired the first shot that day, it reverberated throughout history. British Lieutenant Colonel Francis Smith assembled the 700 regulars. I think that like that means like the British or the Redcoats, the soldiers. Sure. <laughs> just a bunch of regulars over here. <laughs> just a bunch of regulars at the bar. Just everybody off your stools. Yeah. Put down your whiskeys. He assembled them under his command to capture and destroy military stores, presumably hidden by the Massachusetts militia at Concord. When the king's hey, Francis, I know. Okay, Francis, you try. When the king's troops departed Boston for Concord on the evening of April 18th, anti-British intelligence quickly informed Patriot leader Dr. Joseph Warren about their intentions. Warren sent for writers Paul Revere and William Doss to spread the alarm. Revere took the short water route from Boston across the harbor to Charlestown, while Dawes rode out across Boston Neck. Revere and Dawes departed Boston around 10 p.m. So they're like, there's two There's two of them. We never hear about the other guy. We only hear about No, Paul we don't Revere. hear about William. And also, doesn't Paul get capped? Like, he gets stopped. He does <laughs> get stopped. Yeah. Did we, he, we he goes about like that one some... town and he gets stopped. And it's like, Paul, come, come on. on. Huh. I mean, obviously, like it works, like he did the job, but yeah, let's let's take Paul down a peg for a second. <laughs> Just let's let's rein in his his uh, his legend, his legend. Thank you, thank you. So at the same time, two lanterns briefly flickered from the old North Church steeple, which was a prearranged signal by Revere to alert the Patriot Network that the British will row across Boston Harbor instead of marching out over the neck. So he's telling them. Which way, I mean, which is pretty smart. He's like telling them by way of lanterns. Yeah, which way they're coming. Which way they're coming. Yeah. Because Super that's smart. important. Because it's not like you can just, it's not like you can just rearrange, right? Like this is no. 1775. You get in formation and then to, to get in reformation is going to take about half an hour. And by that point, all it the weapons all are gone. gone. Yeah. It's all gone. Yeah. On reaching the Charleston shore, Revere mounted and began his ride to Lexington as he passed through the towns of Somerville, Medford, and Minnetomy, which sure. is now called Arlington. Other riders set out as well, guns fired and church bells tolled, all warning the countryside of the coming threat. I love it. They're like, make noise! Make noise! They're, They're coming. coming! Everybody wake up! She's just like Whoa. an old lady with her pot, like, let's go! <laughs> ding, 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 ding! Like, everybody has to do their part. Seriously, I do just imagine it's, like, back, you know, in New York City when we used to, like, do the 7 p.m., like, toll for all of the, the oh, yeah. healthcare workers. I kind yeah. of imagine that the countryside is like, hello, British, British, like, banging pots and pans. The Minutemen grabbed their weapons and headed for Town Greens, followed by the rest of the militia. By the time the British crossed the water, word of their imminent arrival had already reached Concord. So they did it. They, like, successfully warned 
the colonists that the British were on their yeah. way. And they did it with like lights and sounds and the use of church bells and just like old, like, I mean, they didn't have any other way to do it, but just like word of mouth and however they could. Yeah. You know what gossip spreads? It does. Like wildfire. It really does. You can't keep a good secret secret for long. No. Oh my God. I love, I love hot gossip. Mm. It's my favorite thing in the world. Do you have any good hot gossip right now? Right now? No. Literally nobody's doing anything. Ugh. It's so obnoxious. That's really rude. It's so rude. So stay I'll stay tuned, though. I'll still try to share some hot gossip as soon as I get it. Okay, great. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy, but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear. And each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. And in the meantime, let's talk about the battle, the actual battle, because this was a boom, boom, bang, bang battle, Mm -hmm. which we love to see. So the British troops marched into the small town of Lexington at about 5 a.m. to find themselves faced by a militia company of more than 70 men led by Captain John Parker. First of all, five in the morning. That's very Uh, early. This is what I hate about battles is that they always take place at like between 4 a.m. and 7 a.m., which is, I cannot tell you, the worst time for me personally. Mm-hmm. I do not thrive in those time zones. It no. does not work for me. No, no, no. I need Nevertheless. A good, I need a good post-lunch battle. Yeah. My, my peak physical form is at like 1 o'clock. Yes. Agreed. When the vanguard of the British forces rushed towards them across the town green... Parker immediately ordered his company to disperse. Okay. (laughs) I can't wait to find out how this goes. (laughs) At some point, a shot rung out, and the nervous British soldiers fired a volley, killing seven and mortally wounding one of the retreating militiamen. The British column moved on toward Concord, leaving the dead and wounded dying in their wake. So so we have this first little skirmish. Mm Mm-hmm. Seven and a half people died. <laughs> yes. And then and then they're like, and then they're like, let's keep moving forward. Let's keep moving but, forward. 
yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what, what John Parker's end game is here. Mm -hmm. But this is Lexington. Remember, we're talking about Lexington and Concord. So that was Lexington. Now they arrive at Concord at approximately 8 a.m. Oh, my God. 8 a.m. and they've already fought a battle. I can't. They've already fought one battle. Like. I'm drinking yesterday's coffee. I couldn't have done that. Exactly right. We're not. We're not. We're not fit for war. (laughs) So at approximately 8 a.m. they arrive at Concord. British commanders Francis Smith and John. Oh, Pitcairn? I think so. Okay. And yeah, John Pitcairn yeah. ordered several companies, which were about 220 troops in all, to secure the North Bridge across the Concord River and then continue on another mile to Barrett Farm, where a cache of arms and powder was presumably located. A growing assembly of close to 400 militia from Concord and the surrounding towns gathered on the high ground where they saw the smoke rising from the Concord proper. Mistakenly assuming the Redcoats were torching the town, the militia companies advanced. This is the the American militia companies. The Acton Company, commanded by 30-year-old Captain Isaac Davis. Oh my God, 30 years old and you're commanding a revolutionary war company? Oh dear. I don't know. I guess that would be like 50 in today's time. Maybe? I yeah, kind of made yeah. that up. Because they, they all died at 40. They all died at 40. So he's like, you know, 50, 60 in their time. Yeah. Well, I guess you also have to assume if you're usually in the military at this time, you start at what? Like 17, 16, 15? I oh, feel right. like you're 15 when you're the drummer and then you work your way up. So <laughs> you're the drummer. You know, this. <laughs> <laughs> So Captain Isaac Davis really could have like 15 plus years of experience. He probably, yeah, he could have. So the uh, Captain Isaac Davis was at the head of this, the Acton Company. When he asked if his men were prepared to confront the British troops, Davis said, quote, I haven't a man afraid to go. Ooh, I mean, go off. Okay, that's Acton a good Company. <laughs> yeah, I haven't a man afraid to go. Hell yeah. Yep. Nobody's afraid here. As the Minutemen marched down the hill, the British soldiers, intimidated by their numbers and orderly advance, retreated to the opposite shore and prepared to defend themselves. When Davis's, when Davis's company came within range, the Redcoats opened fire. Oh, killing Davis. Such a bummer. That's a bummer. I know. And also Abner Hosmer, who is another Acton militiaman. Major Buttrick of Concord shouted... <laughs> I love that this quote made it. I know. He shouted, quote, for God's sake, fire. Good job. Good job. Like, how Excellent else do acting. you say fire? Like, hey, guys, let's come on. <laughs> for God's sake, fire. For God's sake, fire. Come on. For let's the love of bang, God, please fire. The love of God. Are you, what are you doing? Uh, are we awake? <laughs> no, it's eight in the morning. It's eight in the morning. I know we're tired. I know we're tired. Trust me, I didn't want it at this time either. But, you know, <laughs> scheduling is such a bitch with it's the British. Right now. <laughs> so he shouted, for God's sake, fire. And the Minutemen responded, killing three British soldiers and wounding nine others. Hell yeah, go off. Mm-hmm. This volley, this particular one, is what is considered the shot heard around the world. And it sent the British troops retreating back to town. I mean, that makes sense because this yeah. is what, like, the British retreating. I mean, that's that's because you expect the British to fire on. on the Americans 
or exactly right. the colonists at this point. You don't yes. like it would it is a much more monumentous event for the colonists to be like bang bang get back. We're going to defend yeah, ourselves. Yeah, well for the British, the greatest army you. in the world yeah. to retreat from the colonists? Yeah. The colonists? Yeah. It is when you think about it. It's shocking that we won. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's kind of, it is. I mean, it's like. It's really, I mean, I think, I think had the British paid any, any attention to what was going on in the colonies and or tried at all to be a pres, like to be a proper presence and like govern their territory properly, this never, like we wouldn't have ever come close, but they just like. They let the colonists do whatever they wanted. They didn't give enough resources to the British people who were here. And then, you know, the Revolutionary War happened. <clears throat> they were bad parents. They were they absent were bad parents. parents. They were bad parents. It's like, you know, it's like when people try and put too many, or parents trying to put too many restraints on their teenagers, and then their teenagers end up doing everything under the sun anyway, and rebelling. Yeah. And then, you know, and then they go yeah. back. Continuing on. So we're still battling the shot heard around the world. We, we, are, we are now forcing the British to retreat in Concord. Smith and Pickerin ordered a return to Boston, which devolved into a row as the British were attacked from all sides by swarms of angry Minutemen along what is now known as Battle Road. So, yeah, they're, they're retreating, but the Minutemen are like... We're going to actually keep, we're going to keep coming at you because we're pissed. Because we're pissed. Because again, you made us mad. And we want to tell you how mad we are. Very mad. Very, very mad. When they reached Lexington, Parker's men took their revenge for the violence suffered that morning, firing on the British regulars from behind cover. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. They're They're like, you killed seven and a half of our men. That's not going unanswered. No. And we're not playing this, let's all stand in front of each other and just fire. The Americans were, the colonists were smart. And they were like, we're going to hide behind trees. Yeah. And we're not going to apologize for it. Because we're smarter than you. Right. We're not just going to stand in an open battlefield and say, no. come on. Come on. Take your shot. Take Shoot at me. Shoot at me. See if you can hit I me. I do. No. For the next 12 miles, the British were continually ambushed by Minutemen shooting from behind trees, rock walls, and buildings. British reinforcements reached Smith and Pickturn's men on the eastern outskirts of Lexington, but the Minutemen pursued them as they retreated back to Boston. So, like, there was not, like, they just, there was nothing. The British were not ready for this. No. They were not expecting this. No. Reinforcements were like, oh, dear. And they also retreated. Like, we just overwhelmed them. Yeah. We We really did. We did. And we surprised them because we didn't lay down and take what they, you know, Take their punishment. Yeah. We fought back. And that that alone. I bet they didn't expect us to be this organized. No. On the field. You know, yeah. I bet I bet they were like, this is a bunch of scrappy whatevers. You know, they're going to be like, no teeth, <laughs> waving their arms around like, ah! uh, And then yeah. we start like crouching and getting in trees and people are good shots. It's like, oh, my goodness. My goodness, I did Somebody's not Somebody's been practicing. Somebody thought this through. Okay. 
Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So the end of the battle, it was an American victory, a colonial victory. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The British marched into Lexington and Concord, intending to suppress the possibility of rebellion by seizing weapons from the colonists, but they did not succeed. This little nugget is coming from the Library of Congress, and I just, I feel like since it's coming from there, it is a fact, but if you told me... If you said this to me, I'd be like, that's just a children's story. Sure. By the end of the day, the colonists were singing Yankee Doodle and the American Revolution had begun. I love that we know <laughs> that they sang Yankee Doodle, but we don't know who fired the first. Sure. Because, because some little colonist, some like 13 year old girl went home to her diary and said, dear diary, OMG, craziest thing happened today. I think we started a war with Great Britain and we won, which was insane. And then everybody sang Yankee Doodle and here are the lyrics. And here are the lyrics. (laughs) That's so good. Signed Beth. Signed Beth Smith. Jeez, that's, yeah. And then they found it years later. With a little lock. And we're like, wow, she's a prolific writer. A prolific writer. Sequin butterfly, butterfly in sequence on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> the actions by the British sparked the first battle of the Revolutionary War when they decided they were going to try and take this gunpowder and, and weapons from the colonists. The colonists' intricate alarm system summoned local militia companies, enabling them to successfully counter the British threat which we talked about, that was Paul Revere and the lanterns and the signals and the church bells. The lanterns. The the banging on the, I mean, I don't know if they actually banged on the pots. I just imagine that happening. People being like, wake up, wake up. Upsie daisies. Upsie daisies. (laughs) Just like we rehearsed. Mm -hmm. That dress could show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. The British conducted a running fight until they reached the cover of British guns on ships anchored in the waterways surrounding Boston. The colonists chased them, but having no clear orders, ultimately let them escape. Because they were like, well, well, what do we do with them once we get them? Do we put them sure. in... What do we do? Do we put them in jail? Do we... They didn't think it would, they would get this far. They're like, no. wait a second, we can actually capture them? This is insane. This is insane. Did they not prepare? <laughs> <laughs> they probably... I mean, did they have jails ready? What would they even do with them? And then they I know, like, they put really them in somebody's invite... house. They'd go yeah. to the black, the local blacksmith and be like, do you have iron... Right. Can you Anywhere. make some shackles real quick? Like just yeah. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. You know. In the wake of Lexington and Concord, Governor Gage found Boston faced by a huge militia of men who had arrived throughout New England to fight for liberty. Numbering 20,000, this resolute force became part of the Continental Army. Hell yeah. People were just like, I'm here. Let's get, let's that's get weird. That's a lot of let's people. Fight. Yeah, that's a lot of people. The estimated casualties for Lexington and Concord, the American side, the colonists, 49 killed, 39 wounded, 5 missing and captured. The British side, 73 killed, 174 wounded, 53 missing and captured. Dang. I know. I know. That's a significant difference. I mean, especially the wounded. That's what stands out to me. Yeah, the wounded. And the the missing and captured. Like, that's quite, there's quite a, a difference there. It's just so funny. I mean, like the British, I mean, we talked about this for as organized and as big as they were, they really didn't inflict a lot of damage. It was the surprise of the Americans that like really did the damage here. Hell yeah. The colonists did not show, this is coming from history.com. I kind of love this note. The colonists did not show great marksmanship that day. I mean, <laughs> not I beg to differ. They, they wounded 174 people. <laughs> I agree. I was like, listen here, history.com. Why you drag them? 
why you drag? Yeah. How did, how did, I mean, unless they like just bashed them on the head, like, I don't know how they wounded them, but you right. assume some of the bullets <laughs> hit. <laughs> I'm sure somebody, yeah. As many as 3,500 militiamen firing constantly for 18 miles only killed or wounded roughly 250 redcoats compared to about 90 and wounded on the, on the side of the, the Americans. Nevertheless, the relatively low casualties of the battles of Lexington and Concord proved that they could stand up to one of the most powerful armies in the world. News of the battle quickly spread, reaching London on May 28th. I mean, like a full ass month, a month and almost a month and a half. Well, yeah, they got a, had to go across the ship. Mm-hmm. It literally took as long as it takes for a ship to get across the ocean yeah. for the news to hit. It was like, on the first message, ship out. This needs, we have to get word back. We have to get word. Tell the king. Tell the king. That the king was revolting. Oh, I'm sure he was not pleased. He was not. He was like, what? You what? (laughs) The colonists? You couldn't, you couldn't keep it together with the colonists? This is crazy. Come on. Come on. They're just colonists. What do they know? A few months later, the British narrowly defeated the Americans in the Battle of Bunker Hill on June 17, 1775, the low number of casualties once again showing the strength of the Patriot forces. By the following summer, the full-scale War of Independence had broken out, paving the way for the creation of the United States of America. You dot Oh, man. Oh, man, I can't wait to get into these other battles. It's just a yummy war in the sense of like, it's fun. It's fun because we win. (laughs) It's fun because we win. It's fun because we win. And like the British are the perfect villains in this war. You know what I mean? It's a lot of fun. They also don't help themselves. Like they dug themselves into this whole thing. I mean, like if they had been nicer to the colonists, maybe the colonists wouldn't have done wouldn't have revolted right if they, that's what i was saying it's like if they would have been remotely better at governing like we could have avoided probably all-out war you probably. know yeah because um, yeah. it uh, through the through technology and and sort of the evolution of like ships and whatever it would have just become easier and easier for britain to govern a land so far away but right they they shit they shit the bed they shit the bed they shit the bed <laughs> they did, and I and I'm glad, and I'm glad they did because I love, mm-hmm. I love that U.S.I. was created. It sort of paved the way for us in this podcast, and it's nice. It's nice to return to where it all began. It's nice to have that that reminder of just like you know we weren't always, we weren't always U.S.I. No. We had to fight to become. We U. did. U. We full a full war, a full war, mm-hmm. a full ass war. And throughout time, we will continue to chip away at the uh, the Revolutionary War. But what a great start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really laid a foundation to which our house mm-hmm. is built. My favorite metaphor that there ever was. But in the meantime, you guys, as you know, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.